and welcome to another episode of That Can't Be Right. I'm your host, Eric Ballinger. I'm here with... Joe Miller. And this week we're going to talk about trying to explain grad school to your friends and family. Now, we operate under this assumption that when we go to grad school that that our friends and family will be supportive of what we do, and, and they might be. But there is this weird problem that shows up in that they have no idea what it is that you do. So you want them to accept the fact that you have this new position, uh, you are doing a lot of work, often we're assuming you will have an assistantship. If not, you have probably chosen the wrong grad program, and we'll actually be planning on talking about that in a uh, later podcast. But you want your family to think that what you're doing is important, at least to you, and to offer some kind of support. But that often doesn't happen. Uh, they really don't understand what's happening, what your life consists of. They really just don't know how to respond to you anymore. It would be nice if this sort of problem was new, or it was a generational thing, or if it was something that happened to first-generation students. Actually, that wouldn't be nice. But it would offer some sort of hope that there's something going on currently that will perhaps change. However, uh, from my experiences talking to other people with graduate degrees, this is a very old problem. One of my professors in my first grad program was talking about how after he got his PhD, he did not like going home because his family just did not understand what he did. They didn't understand what he did for a living. They didn't understand why he did it. And he was treated as, as some sort of outcast, which is awful when you think the amount of work that you're putting into going into a graduate program, because I'm sure getting in wasn't easy. Uh, getting through your undergraduate wasn't easy. And now the work itself is is complicated. And all they see is that, oh, you only have class for 12 hours a week or nine hours a week. So what do you do with the rest of your time? Do you just screw around? And it's difficult to, to, to work around that. I mean, at the end of the day, this is something that is, Eric's clearly pointing out, is something that goes on for several generations and it's a weird phenomenon so why i think it's so weird is constantly especially within our culture um there's this push towards higher education means a higher job higher satisfaction but there's a degree where all of a sudden if you go past a master's degree um either for work or even just past a bachelor's degree there's a degree of confusion that happens around getting a graduate degree of any kind especially with your family. A lot of times they just think you're an older student and a permanently older student, somebody who's just aging and all you do is go to school all day, which is shouldn't be that hard. I They did it when they were children. So why would it be hard, you know, as a 25-year-old or 26-year-old or even or later into your 30s or 40s? It should only get easier for somebody who's older. I got through it when I was five. You can get through it when you're 27 in graduate school. Graduate school is the same thing as kindergarten, right? Right. Yeah. This this notion that oh, you only have class, right? So that's so that's all that matters, and they ignore all the stuff that's supposed to happen outside of class, or just the the complexity of what you're doing. And don't get me wrong, maybe some of you out there listening to this are in grad school and you're not working very hard. Maybe you are the you're the reason. It's your fault. But I know from my own experiences that every time I encounter my family, 
they have no idea what I do. So they, since they can't conceptualize it, they, you know, my dad worked in the same job working 40 hours a week or longer for 40 years. Uh, his job was very pragmatic. Uh, he uh, uh, sold stuff to, uh, to truck drivers. So his job was consisted of you walk through and you grab, you walk through a warehouse and you grab stuff, you put it in boxes, and then you load up a truck. Very concrete. So the idea that what I do is I sit in a little room with a computer and come up with questions to ask people and then look at their responses and say, oh, so since this group of people said, gave these sort of answers to these sort of questions, they clearly have depression or they have some sort of anxiety. And here's how we should deal with that is very far beyond what he's what he understands it's almost like there's a degree of um non-tangibility um, there's it's untangible to them and they don't see a degree of purpose to it it's almost as though because you're such a theoretical field um and because it's almost for lack of a better word um invisible to them therefore it's not tangential and they're not able to understand the purpose or why you would be wanting to go down this as a career path or how it's even a career because it's something that's not something not necessarily physical but not necessarily i can't think of a way to describe it well you can't point to an outcome that makes sense to them yeah uh which actually goes back to another thing that was that's very interesting dr knight he uh he's a very big in the uh institutional research field one of the things he said to to our class on in in, the, in IR was because the job is very theoretical. So institutional research looks at um, outcomes based off of uh, various programs within schools and things. But because the job is very cerebral, it's important to have a hobby that is very tactile, which is why he builds model trains. So if you ever encounter Bill Knight somewhere, ask him about his trains, he has a crazy train set. So in that respect, he's even pointing out that the people in graduate school occasionally have trouble figuring out what exactly it is that they do. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, how do you spend your day? I spend my day looking at a computer screen and looking at numbers. So I think one of the great examples that me and Eric have had a chance to talk about is he he still talks to his family. Uh, I, I talk to one of my family members and... Uh, most of the other time, I'm my stories that we've had back and forth about um, my family and like trying to explain it to it has been uh, my partner, my girlfriend's family, um, and trying to explain things to them. But I think the best question for the person who I do talk did talk to about my career and what I was going to do was my grandmother, uh, who I love, and I told her I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to get a PhD in. Statistics for without going into the details or the specifics of the title of the program. I just said I'm gonna get a PhD in statistics and Because I'm so engrossed in this field so engrossed in hanging around people that I will I talk to daily about the subject She threw one of the best questions I've ever had in my life At me because I was not ready for was not ready to answer it and the question was what is that? And it's very weird, and we, me and Eric have laughed about it because it was very much just a surreal thing. Because to us, it's such a flu, like such a topic that we talk about so much in our courses and everything—the statistics, the research, 
nonstop. The idea that somebody outside did not know this, it almost and it caused me to pause immediately when she asked me a question like that because it was something so simple that I didn't know how to answer it. I'm just like I immediately responded, "Well, it's statistics." Yeah, that that doesn't help. You can't use the word in the definition. That doesn't it, work. <laughs> It didn't. And and it was just very funny because it's it's hard. And I only bring up this example from switching from the conversation of creating a tactile thing where we even need to be tactile is sometimes even the simplistic things to try to explain to your family. Not even the hard nuances, not um, what comp- compositional exams are, not um, what your thesis or your dissertation is, not even what your thesis idea or dissertation research is, but just some of these simple nuances of what you do. And since we're talking about that, I do wonder if I I know I have attempted to explain some of what I do to my father, and it doesn't go well because uh, he thinks that that function is is just pointless. Uh, he doesn't understand the idea of having predict- predictive algorithms for anything. Uh, he doesn't see the value in that, which I think is weird. But trying to explain the complexity of it, I think I know I try to shield them from just some of the bonkers stuff that we do because i don't think they'll understand and i'm wondering if maybe that might help or it would just ostracize them even more they just think i was being some sort of smart ass that actually is a very good point so let me point <laughs> pause you on that that's smart assery and i think that is something that is very different so um i am not a first generation student um i some of my family have partial college my my um my aunts and my mom had partial college um so they had associate's degree and i don't know i can't speak for eric but most of the rest of my family that i i don't really talk to didn't go to college and there's a degree where when i try explaining what i'm doing or if i even come up with a point of reference on anything not just what i'm doing in my project just if i have an opinion of some kind they automatically go with, oh, you're being a smart ass because you're in graduate school. So they understand a degree that there is intelligence getting into graduate school, but it's almost as though it's a double-edged sword because immediately they don't take it with validity because it's overly where they're thinking of being a smart ass. Now, it doesn't help that occasionally when they call me a smart ass, I then immediately go into a sarcastic comment. But at the same time, it's almost, it devalues what you do and you no longer feel like you can actually go to them for support. And when you try to explain things, I think one of the worst things is, especially for a graduate student to hear from somebody that you love and care for is just keep going through it from your family. That's not what you want to hear sometimes. Or I think my favorite comment, um, it's graduate school is the first immediate response that you get. What exactly does that mean? It literally means like, just like, oh, we know that it's hard. It's graduate school. Or my second favorite is if they don't know what graduate school is, it's just life's hard for everybody. That's a fun one. That's fun. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, I think, especially for me, when we me and Eric were discussing this podcast ahead of time was it's very, very much down to, I want to be able to go to my family and my friends and try to explain what's going on as they do with their jobs, their lives and their careers but I also want the same kind of support that I hope I can offer them and validation that they can offer, like I offer them in their struggles the same way for me. And I don't think that often happens, especially for people who don't understand what's going on. Certainly. And 
with my family, I, I'm dubiously a first generation student. I am the second person in my immediate family to get a college degree. Uh, but my father never finished high school. And I am the first person in a graduate program in my family, I, at a bare minimum, in the last 140 years. I don't know about... Just anyway. the bare minimum. <laughs> right. I, I don't know about it beyond that. There may have been, like, there may have been some important scholars prior to, <laughs> you know, prior to David. But, I don't know. But I know that of the people I, of the family members' ancestry I know, most of them uh, didn't even bother finishing high school. So... They don't know what to do with this. And I think it might be the nature of what we do, specifically in social sciences, we have a, a vague idea of how people spend their day. And the idea of the nine to five workday is very ubiquitous. People understand how that works. So from a graduate student perspective, like, yeah, I know what my uh, sisters go through because I've, I've done that. You know, I've, I've had normal jobs and they haven't really gone through this craziness like, like I am. So there is, there's certainly that element of like, well, well, you're really smart. You got into grad school, so this should all be easy. Uh, no, it isn't easy, even if you are smart, because everyone in grad school is smart. It's, but that that it really is the nature of it. It's by yeah. weight of comparison. It's like, yeah, I'm smarter than a bunch of than the average American. But, sure, but that's not who's in grad school. Yeah, so, so the population all of a sudden changes, right? You're the smart kid until you get to graduate school. Because when you get to graduate school, everyone's a smart kid. Right, or they wouldn't be there, or they don't last very long. Yeah, that's a topic for another day <laughs> right. of who gets into graduate school. Um, but let's say, but just to be honest here, if you're in grad school, you're reasonably intelligent, or you probably would not have made it through the application process. No, I mean, we can... Again, when you start, if you start comparing people within the graduate school to the population at large, yeah, yeah, there there are certainly well, some people well, in that we that you will encounter <laughs> in your graduate program that you look at and wonder what was that all about. But then you look at them and then compare them to that person standing next to you at Walmart, like, oh, okay. Hey, hold on, hold um, on, hold on. We're, well, let's not let's not throw not, in Walmart or anything like that. Right. But I, I get what you're trying to say. I think we're getting a little bit off topic in the sense that. For the most part, you're right. When you talk to people about graduate school, they're just like, well, that means they automatically just say, you're smart, you'll be fine. Or they do a devaluing of your feelings, for lack of a better way. They don't empathize right. with you anymore because they're like, you were smart, you're going to be fine. And some of that could, again, stem from the fact that they've been around you for a while. And in comparison to everyone else that you've encountered up, up to that point, yeah, if you know if Ted got through, then surely you'll be fine. Um, without realizing, oh, that this is a serious shift. Uh, the population that you're around is not the same. Yeah, and the the content is not the same, and the job itself looks different. Yeah, it's so a lot of times. So let's say let's come from a different perspective for a second. For the parents who did get to go through graduate, not graduate school, through parents who did get to go through undergrad. A lot of times, the families who see that, they're like, graduate school is just an extension of undergrad. That is the reasonable consensus among a large amount of people. They just think it's, oh, graduate school. So you're just doing a little bit more papers, you know, your thesis and dissertation. If they've had an undergrad experience, um, they think you're just going to school for a little bit longer. 
Or they have a Goodwill hunting reference where they yeah. hear somebody talking in a bar and you still have time to go to the bar and you're kind of the cocky person who just reads the first 10 pages of a script. Talk about reading at another point. Um, but regardless, it's undergrad and graduate school is not the same and that creates this another level of disconnect between you trying to explain it to somebody who's not in graduate school. Yeah, so... so... Yeah, this idea that grad school is a little bit longer <laughs> in, in undergrad. Is really strange. I mean, just, again, slight shift here. I know in undergrad, there was lots of th- focus on things like tests and quizzes and all that sort of the fun stuff. And then there was some papers thrown out on occasion. Um, I think this last year I've had the most tests of the entire time I've had in, in graduate school. And, and I've had two. <laughs> because tests aren't normal. In, in, in a graduate program. And that in of itself is strange to to even someone who's been through college. So you go through, your, you talk to your family, like, oh, well, you have to study for this test. Not really, because I don't have a test. I, I have to write this paper. Oh, how long will that take you? Well, probably quite some time, because it's not, it's not a three-page paper on the history of cats in Egypt. It's, or it might be. It could be. There's so there's a topic for you if you're into that sort of thing, cats in Egypt and the importance that they have. Um, but it, but right, but it's some theoretical paper, or just some uh, bizarre. But it's not something you can knock out in an hour, and it's not something you can do the night before. It's very much that we are, though school is our career, it is still a job at the end of the day. It's not we're going to school for an extra five years. It's not that we're going to another five years of undergrad. We are spending anywhere between eight and 12 hours a day working. And there is a degree of trying to explain that to somebody else. And all they have as their referent point or their referent indicator is literally looking at something as what they did beforehand, what their closest example is. For a lot of my family who did not go to college afterwards, they see me as just doing high school continuously um, with fancier buildings. They have a degree of pride for me, but I think the longer I'm in graduate school, that pride slowly diminishes because it becomes to when are you going to start a family? When are you going to um, get married? When are you going to settle down? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do for a job? It gets taxing after they've asked it past the age of 25. Um, and I think it's something that's very hard to explain to somebody else. And I actually want to go for a little bit different. So instead of going with our family for once, because I think we could go talk about our family for days. I think one of the weirdest things is actually trying to talk to somebody who is your friend or your partner, or somebody who hasn't been through it. So for me, I I know Eric um, and his wife have both been through graduate school. Um, But for me, my girlfriend hasn't been through graduate school. And sometimes um, there's a disconnect where she sees graduate school as the grass is always greener um, compared to her corporate life. There's There's a degree of acceptance where she likes her job but there is some days where she when things are stressful like with any job you you tend to see the other side as being easier for lack of a better way of explaining it well i think one big difference there is that in and we've talked about this before as well 
that in graduate school failure isn't as much of a problem if you if you do a, if you write a paper that doesn't make any kind of sense uh, it's unlikely to just sort of end what you're doing or if you can't figure out how to do an analysis while not good mm-hmm. probably not the end of the road whereas if you have a a real job they're only going to let you uh, screw up <laughs> so yeah. many times before they get rid of you so there is that element of like it's fine. And I, and I, I definitely would see where you're going with that, but that's actually not what I right. was going with. It's the degree that immediately, because she thinks it's schooling. And I think there's a degree where she's very supportive. She is very understanding, but there's also a degree of where she's like, yeah, like we have a lot of meetings every day and we talk about, we have meetings for meetings or we have emails about meetings or we have, Are you um, talking about you or your girlfriend? That's exactly the point. <laughs> And that's actually exactly where I'm going with. We have this degree where we see graduate school, like people who are in corporate see grad school as completely different. But like because of her on the other end, I'm like, no, 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 no. These two are very close in line. You're still both trying to take education courses, whether it be required by your company or required by your program to keep going. You are both um, trying to do a lot of work within the first two to three years to try to get established within your career, your field, some stability. You're doing a lot of initial work. You're doing a lot of work outside of your actual courses with outside of your actual day at the job. There's a lot of overlap most of the time where people don't see graduate school. They see graduate school and corporate life being such different things. And I actually would argue that there's a lot more overlap than people think. There's a degree of bureaucracy within both. There's a degree of there's a degree of homework within both, for lack of a better way of explaining it. And there's a degree of studying, and there's a degree of absurd amount of meetings that mean nothing. And I, I mean, I am I'm trying to be like joking towards it, but at the same time, it's very true to the point where. There is nothing wrong with either one of our career paths, but one is seen as schooling, one is seen as career, even though they have a large degree of overlap. Well, in the corporate world, you end with a tangible product, whereas in grad school, you end with a something ephemeral. Um, and I think that comes back to the original point that I was we were talking about with your dad, like right. the degree of there is no tangi- tangibility with it. Right. Yeah, he, he definitely has no idea what the hell's going on. And the other part of that, when you mentioned how much work there is involved with this, so, you know, 8 to 12 hours a day. But even, but eight, you know, 8 to 12 hours a day of work, but the work doesn't look like work from the outside. Yeah. If you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to alter uh, the, the code for M plus to run this particular analysis, and I need, but it's not running, and you're just sort of wandering around campus, and you realize, like, oh, I probably forgot to put in that line. So the outside world, you're this guy wandering down the street muttering to himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're actually doing your job. Are you are you like just pulling a specific example or you've seen me walking around the halls? No, I, like... I, I do this all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, the number of people in this town who probably think I'm insane are, are probably pretty impressive. Because that's how I write most of my papers is I, I would walk around and you know outline it in my head, sometimes out loud. I mean, but you're doing your job. It just doesn't look like it to anyone else. Let's 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 bring it back just a little bit. Let's make it more a little bit more tangential for just tangential, tangible. Excuse me. If you've heard that a few times, apologize. Um, tangible. Even then, just let's say that you can't get your code to run for several days. Right. And you spent several days googling for hours trying to figure out one line of code. 
which has happened to both of us at multiple times. Only to discover there's a comma in the wrong place. Exactly, but nonetheless, that has worked the entire time. It is not a progressive work. It's not necessarily going feet ahead of time where you keep constantly making progress. You're sometimes making just mere millimeters of progress within your research. And I feel that that is one of those things that a lot of people don't really realize is coming back to this idea idea that you are talking about earlier. It's just not a tangible product or not a tangible work effort that somebody can understand. You can, sh- you can count how many units a day you move. My mom worked in shipping for most of her life. She knew how much she worked every day because she had eight hours of moving carts, um, moving crates around, moving, um, fixing conveyor belts, all that. She had a tangible relation of what her work was. Right. Yeah. And that's the same thing with, with my dad, that it was, we put this many things in boxes, they went away. But the, one of the problems that I, that both of us have dealt with or attempted to deal with is that. These people don't know what you're doing. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how much do you want them to understand that? Because it may not help. If they know what you're doing, they still can't wrap their head around it. Um, and, it will, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't support you, but they don't understand what you're doing or how to support you. And on a day-to-day basis, they really can't. The other part with that is that when talking about classes... You forget that just because you're not physically in a classroom with a teacher, that doesn't mean you're that doesn't mean you're done for the day. So that's where you end up with things like, "Oh, I need you to run this errand for me because you're not doing any. I know you don't have class on Wednesday." It's like, well, I have other things to do on Wednesday, <laughs> and so that's going to happen. You're going to be. I assume that happens to you. That people. Well, you actually live fairly far from your family. Yeah, that was on. That was intentional. <laughs> um, but you were previously near them, mm-hmm. and did that happen where they would ask you to do stuff because you weren't in class? Um, not as much as you would think. Um, most of the time, let me say this from my perspective. I think one of the interesting things is I will have people randomly call me throughout the day because they think I'm not doing anything. I, it's similar. Similar. They, 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 it's not necessarily the do a task because right. But even now, but clearly, I, any time is a fine time to call because you don't have a yeah. Because yeah, you're not yeah, really my, occupied. My, my my girlfriend does them a lot of times. She just immediately calls me because she's very sweet and she just but she thinks I'm studying and like she doesn't realize I'm <laughs> writing a paper or I'm in a meeting or anything like that. Very understanding, kind person, but it's just, it happens a lot. Even my family members will call me just randomly. Right. Because they don't think I have anything to do. Right. So, yeah, similar shtick. But again, my family is physically much closer. So they think that, oh, we need someone to move a couch. Let's call Eric. Uh, And that makes sense to them. So let's talk about things that, ways to try to to fix this. Okay, fix is the wrong word. How to, do to accommodate this? Accommodate, mitigate, um, right. a degree of way to understanding it. And I think kind of switching from what we were talking about a little bit earlier, just like this, like how much you tell your family, how much you don't. I think me and Eric are going to both have different strategies, especially from how you kind of can hear this conversation going so far. Um, one thing is for my family, a lot of times I just don't mention things to them anymore. Um that's are, become my tactic as well. Like, yeah, it, it, I didn't do anything There's a degree week. of um, separation that I have for my um, my partner's family or my friends. 
I make jokes about it a lot of times. Um, I make humor out of it for my family or for my, my girlfriend's family. When I say my family, my friends, um, I make humor out of it. Or, uh, when they try explaining things and they don't, I try to explain it to them. And if I can't explain it to them in two minutes, I move on. Uh, that's not the strategy that I want to end on, but I'm going to let... But part of it is, part of it is. So uh, a big chunk of that really comes down to setting appropriate boundaries. Yeah. So if... If you are attempting to explain your thesis and their eyes glaze over at two minutes, like, well, uh, we'll do something different now. Or setting establishing boundaries with your family in terms of like, no, I know that I'm not in class on Wednesday, but that doesn't mean I'm not doing things. And just saying no. Um, that's an entire podcast I right. think we're going to get to eventually. But that's honestly, that's one of the only things you can do in terms of friends and family who don't understand that you have a schedule just because it doesn't look like theirs doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And the other part is to, this is where your cohort in your graduate program is going to become important because in reality, even if you don't necessarily like these people or if they're the best people in the world, it doesn't matter which end that you, that your cohort falls on. They're the only people who actually understand what's going on in terms of your program right now. Oh, very, very true. And it's one thing is very interesting. So um, me and Eric are actually not in the same cohort, um, but we work together closely a lot of times. And though when I will switch to a new program come this next fall, there's a degree of having somebody, a degree of collaboration with other members of your cohort or other people who are going through graduate school in general. Like, and maybe not in the same department, but just in the same college sometimes that might be beneficial. Um, I know that having, for me, having somebody to talk to about the things going on is extremely, like, uh, reaffirming and, like, my, like, reaffirming my feelings, reaffirming my stress, reaffirming in my manic tendencies to mutter to myself randomly throughout the day trying to work on projects. But I think that even if they are not the people that you are expecting to become close with, you become close with them regardless as a survival tactic <laughs> and a great degree of need. And just to, as a, an FYI here, I know that a lot of like uh, career advice and school advice comes down to, you have to go out and make friends. And that seems to really put a horrible strain on people that are uh, very introverted, uh, which is me. I do not like being around other people, but you have to, unfortunately you have to spend time around these people and so finding someone outside of your department might be difficult especially if you're introverted but within your program within your cohort you're going to see these people all the time anyway so that should to a certain extent fix that introverted issue a little bit because you don't have to go find friends they're they're right there someone has assigned them to you it's okay uh. Their, their degree, um, one of my friends who's actually, um, won't mention their name, uh, who's actually in corporate, I think one of my favorite quotes from him is, they become your allies. Because he, he will call me his friend, he will call all of us his friends, but when he says he has any work friends, he refers to them as allies, because there's a degree of competition between them for um, how much they can do, or how much they can sell, or stuff, but they become allies. And I think there's a degree of funny truth to that. You are, in a sense within these people within these this group you're kind of for lack of a better word stuck together and mm -hmm. they become you become close to them you become close with the individuals 
because you're able to share in your struggles. It's a way that you can kind of bond, but also a great way that is a cathartic relationship because you get a vent about what's going on with your advisor. Or they get a vent about what's going on with your their advisor. And they know what you're talking about. Which is such a crucial thing. It is such a weird thing to say that that is a critical thing that people miss sometimes is just that degree of disconnect because they don't know what's going on. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're in grad school or you're starting, you're, you're thinking about it, and you're like, oh, this is going to be horrible. Uh, there's a distinct possibility it will not be what you want. It will the your friends and family are not going to be the this great group of people that are absolutely supportive in a way that's useful to you and your cohort might not be the friends for life that you imagine them going to be either but neither either way there is a grease support where you can find almost piece together the support that you need i think the important part is you're not alone in this if it feels like your friends and family are turning their backs on you or that they just don't understand it's because they don't and it's not new and it's not you it's the nature of things you have to find support somewhere and it's probably going to be in your cohort. And with that, good luck and we'll see you next week.